This is a Need 10 Media production. Hello, it's Nate Kleber again. Welcome aboard for this, another episode of That's a Job podcast. On this episode, or at least on this show, we talk to professionals about jobs that many of us may have not known that exist, but we also talk to some people that have jobs that we're familiar with. But the pathways on how they got there and the history and experience they had along the way is where we can find some great value. So in this episode, I'm excited to bring in Lindsay Leahy, and this is one that uh, we got uh, uh, rescheduled a few times, but I met Lindsay. It would have been, I have to think back to how long this has been, but it's been a little while ago, and she was working in economic development. I was seeking economic development work, and... I guess it didn't work out for a reason. And here we are today and we're going to we're going to discover more about uh, Lindsay's uh, Lindsay's uh, career adventure but uh, uh, as we dive into this I guess I should say first welcome to that's a job podcast Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and it was 2016 when we first met. Okay, so you did pull that up and figured that out. Yes. <laughs> So, you know, let's let's dive in. And again, this is a question that maybe you're ready for. I kind of gave you a curveball before we went on thinking, okay, now is he actually going to ask that question? But let's go back to you, Lindsay, 18 years old, 17 years old. And where did you think you were going at that point if somebody asked you what your next step after high school was? I honestly had no clue, Nate. I uh, I remember I graduated high school still not having college plans and enrolled at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln for my freshman year because I thought that was my only option. That's where okay. my friends went. That's where my boyfriend was. And so that's where I ended up. But I didn't have a clue what I was going to study or anything. Which isn't unusual, and and probably you even saying that back then of you didn't know, but you're going to go to got to go to Lincoln, and be in Cornhusker territory, and that was probably fine. And I'm going to guess, as far as you and your peer group or friend group, that wasn't an unusual story, probably for for them either of having a defined pathway or even a a, a better idea than maybe what you you have said. Yeah, I think um, growing up in a small town, I had very limited exposure to what career opportunities there were. And I was the first one in my family to go to college. So neither of my parents had gone to college. And they, you know, they wanted to be helpful, but couldn't be as helpful. My stepdad did end up going to college, but didn't graduate. Uh, and so it was just like, hey, do whatever you think you want to do. Um, and we had some good discussions about taking on debt and um, trying to figure it out. But my parents, we were talking about this a little bit before the show started, they were very much like, go and try to figure it out because college is important and we want you to learn. And um, so that's what I did. Yeah, you know, at that age, we can be pretty impressionable. I feel like we're either very impressionable or not very impressionable <laughs> as far as as we're, things are at that age of listening to to guide people or not wanting to listen to what is suggested of us. But you know, I guess take me through that. You ended up in uh, you ended up in Lincoln, freshman mm -hmm. year. Where, yep. where does life go for you? Well, it was uh, my first year of college was pretty difficult. My grandmother was sick. She had been diagnosed with cancer right after I graduated high school, and so she was dying. And I was trying to make trips back and forth. Um, I had enrolled in you know the gen ed courses, but 
if I'm honest, was probably at college more to have a social life than I was to learn. So I went from a 3.8 GPA in high school to a 1.9 in my first semester of college. You mean you have to show up for classes? And did you, did the university send you a letter that said, um, you need to get your, your stuff figured out? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So that was a, a huge wake up call for me on how serious this was. And I was paying for it myself. And so um, you know, well, let's, I, let's, let's go back here that you said three, eight in high school to the, to the one point, whatever. I um, I, I guess go through that or where do you, why do you think you know, there was the social life, but do you want to dive deeper into maybe why it went that way? Yeah. That I, you weren't prepared for. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking me that. I've never really thought about this before, but what comes to mind is in high school, um, grades, schoolwork just came very easy to me. Um, and in call, I don't think I had been equipped with the appropriate study and testing skills. Uh, and so then when I got into college, I don't think I understood how to manage my time and the importance of going to class and where to find everything and how to be resourceful in that way. And so then I remember, I vividly remember a period like two and a half to three months in to that first semester where I was like, well, this is already off the rails. So I'm just going to quit going to class altogether. So did you? I did. I did. That's why I, I so I, I continued to go to my anthropology class because I was okay. very interested in that subject and the teacher was great, but chemistry was something that I had really struggled with. And so I quit showing up and wasn't there for the pop. Did you, did you have any idea of where this degree was taking you at that point or was it still just going to school to go to school? It was going to school to go to school. And looking back, that was pressure from my family just to get a degree um, as a baseline without any conversation about what I would actually do with that degree or what that degree would even be. I didn't just know. To get, just get the degree. That's that's That was the goal. But but even after that, wasn't wasn't a lot of pressure necessarily for that, it sounds like. Right. We had some discussions, I remember, at like Christmas and Thanksgiving my senior year about things that I could do. And I remember, I'm not going to um, pinpoint the family member that told me this, but I remember saying I'd really be interested in a political science degree and to be a politician someday, because I just have this heart for service and the greater good and um, justice. And this particular family member told me that I was um, too, somebody is, pretty and blonde as you are will never be taken seriously in politics. And so that um, kind of squashed the one idea that I really had going into college. You know, and that's, and that's, you, you kind of ended up in that world on a quasi government <laughs> basis a little bit as when we met, but, you know, I think, you know, that description of you, yeah, well, you're not taking it, it opens some doors. But it's yes. like once you get in there, you can you can prove who you really are when it comes right down to it. But, you know, going back to uh, I don't think it's unusual uh, for somebody who I guess I'll call played school really well in high school. Mm -hmm. And then you get into college and it's not as defined. Right. And if you don't see the direction of where you're going, why you're doing it. But then all of a sudden you have this other fun stuff out there uh to to be out there and I forget what the bar area is in Lincoln I was just there like three weeks ago yeah, O Street um, O Street, o Street <laughs> crossing the stadium in there um 
you know, that all of a sudden you're discovering this whole new world that you have, you had that freedom. And that's, that's a struggle that it takes people a while to figure out how to manage that freedom. Right. Yes. Yes. And, and that, I also came from a family where the rules were pretty strict. You know, I always had the, the latest my curfew ever was, was midnight. There was a lot that we didn't get to do. And so I think not even understanding how to manage my time appropriately or how to prioritize certain tasks. I was so used to just being told where to be and what to do that that freedom was, you know, we all desire that freedom and we don't realize how much responsibility comes with that freedom. And I did not use it responsibly. (laughs) So you didn't make it through Lincoln? No, no, I ended, no. Did not make it. Did no. you just go one semester and that was no, it? I, no, I did end up there. I was there for a year and a half. So three semesters. And then I reconnected with, and this is where I don't, this is kind of not applicable to uh, career and school journey, but I reconnected with an ex-boyfriend. He was going to co-college. Um, and so we dated apart for a little while. And then I ended up moving to Cedar Rapids and I was working full-time trying to get my in-state residency to go to Iowa and finish school and then got introduced to Mount Mercy and broke up with that guy, ended up at Mount Mercy. There you go. So, you know, it's interesting. You say it's not career related, but, you know, in the conversation, and I shared with this before we recorded about, you know, I had a, I had a high school principal tell me that it's not necessarily about trying to find what you want to do for a living, but also what kind of life you want to have. And, and even, you know, what is that life that, where is it? Who is it with, you know, how are you living it? You know, I, I would, I would play into that, you know, when you, when you get into career, but, uh, but who knew that you would stay in the Cedar Rapids area? Yeah, I, I'm grateful, like looking back, they, it all happened for a reason. One, a big school was not for me. So the fact that I ended up at Mount Mercy, I had such a different experience and it was so wonderful to have um, teachers who could hold me accountable and to have a smaller community where I could get more involved. And uh, they really helped me get that smaller school experience was what really stewarded who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do next. I had a heart for service. I thought I wanted to get into nonprofit after I got out of school. Um, one of my professors, right when I got there was like, Linz, you just need to pick a major. You're good at writing. You're decent at speaking. So how about communications? Cause that can open a lot of doors for right. you. And then Uh, My professor, when I was talking to her about going into the nonprofit world, said, you have so much debt. You need to find a for-profit organization that has a good culture and pay off your student loans. And then maybe when that's done, you can think about going into the nonprofit world based on the life that I told her I wanted to live. Yeah. You know, there is that because then you ended up in the financial services industry. And probably had no plan or idea or inkling of that's where you were wanting to head up. But but the purpose you had for that was there was going to be some good, uh, I, I guess, a good income that was going to help get you to maybe where you wanted to be next. I guess talk through discovering that pathway and in, into the financial industry or financial services industry and, you know, evolving from there. Yeah, I um 
So Great America was one of the organizations that my professor encouraged me to look into because they had a really good culture. And when I got to visit there, I just saw, saw all these people who loved work. Like that place is just a buzz with good energy. And I could really see myself in all the people we got to speak with, like, oh, these feel like my people. And so right. I applied for a, a marketing job that was mostly graphic design and writing and started there. And then it was just... Do you, do you feel like you had the skill set ready for that type of oh. job? <laughs> yeah. God, God bless my... Uh... Oh, communications, you can do this stuff and then yeah, you have to figure I... it out. My leader was just one of those people who really hired for culture and personality. And he knew I had a, a competitive spirit and was hungry to learn. And he just took me under his wing. And there were many days he'd be like, you'll learn someday, little grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good experience. But yeah, you got your foot in the door and kind of worked your way through there a little bit and then just kind of found other opportunities. Yeah, there. yeah. I worked my way up. They, I After like two and a half or three years, I was bored, quote unquote, bored of the marketing side of things yeah. and really wanted to move into the sales side. And they didn't have anything open at that time on the finance side of their business, but they were building this new division and needed somebody in sales for that. And so that was so lovely because I got to build a business from the ground up inside of an organization with unlimited resources and travel the country and do a million things that I never thought I would ever get to do. You know, I think that's where you lose track and it, that's hard, you know, I guess for high school or even a college or, or whatever, it's, you're trying to come up with, you know, what job do you want to get and looking at jobs and this is what it is. And there's the things that you don't really know about, you know, uh, there's a, there's a image I use that how do you define a successful job is a lot of times been based on your salary and your title. Mm -hmm. And the new model is, yeah, salary title is maybe less than a quarter of it, but you know, the experience you should get and the mental and physical impact that has on you and, and the freedom that you get and the free time and just all this stuff that encompasses that I don't think anybody really thinks about other than the title and unfortunately uh, the salary, but there's other things that come into jobs that, you know, if somebody said you work at Great American Financial Services, you know, they probably think you're just dealing with leasing and you're just doing that. There's other jobs within these companies no one thinks about, right? Yes, tons. And to your point, I don't, I think I was chasing the salary and the title when I took that new opportunity. But what I learned through that process was I'm a builder. I love where a lot of people never would have signed up to build something from the ground up because there's no black and white, right or wrong way to do it. That is where my heart and where I kind of discovered my entrepreneurial desires was. But it scares the hell, hell out of a lot of people. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I would often get people asking me, like, why do you enjoy your job? And it's because there's these complex issues that we have to try to solve. And I have to try to figure out how to make something work for the long term. And that's exciting to me. As soon as it gets mundane and repetitive and is solidly built, I want to move on. And that's kind of what happened in that job. We got to a place where things were humming along and stable. And I woke up one day and was like, I don't what am I doing this for? I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. So you get into the why you're doing it. So you kind of, you got to the point that you probably had taken your debt down and then gotten to a place that you could do some stuff and have, uh, have an impact, I guess, personally, but 
you know, then you started getting into, into some different opportunities until even when we met, uh, when you were with, uh, with the economic development group in Cedar Rapids, um, probably another thing you didn't know you'd ever be involved in or what that all was, but it no. was, comes back to the skill sets, right? I guess talk through those skill sets that you picked up through college, through your life, through the financial services job and on, I guess, you know, talk about the skill sets, you know, and finding that, that work that really fit you. Um, okay. A few things come to mind that I was, so when, when I realized maybe this role at Great America isn't for me long-term, and then this opportunity at the Economic Alliance opened up, a few things that were on my heart, I realized how good I was at building relationships. And where in my role at Great America, I built relationships nationally. I really wanted to build relationships locally and be able to um, see the impact in my local community. So I think building relationships was one that I learned I was gifted at that I didn't even, you know, Nate, when we're gifted, we don't even see that that's our ability. Right. Um, strategic thinking and problem solving were probably the other two big ones. So at the time when I transitioned from Great America to the Economic Alliance, they were in a rebuilding phase. The executive director had been had left and we were kind of rebuilding and restructuring the team and rethinking who are we, what do we do here? And that was all really, really exciting to me to be able to build some of those things and leverage those skills. And they thought this guy that came in, he's not going to help us. <laughs> let's do him a favor and and, and, and say no anyway no, no. but you know i think you know we we still stayed in and that was you said that was 20 2016 or or somewhere in there um but i think you know we would touch base and i think we even grabbed coffee when i was in cedar rapids one time and 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 maybe i don't think we've ever really talked about this but i could tell there was something in you that you were wanting more um and and wanting to do something deeper on your own and expanding your horizons. And that was kind of the catalyst to hang up your own shingle, if you will, and get out of the W2 world and kind of roll the dice. You know, I think you were at a point in your life, you were trying to figure something like that out, similar to what I, what I was doing probably around 2016 when, when you shot me down and needed to. I'm just going to keep digging. I'm just going to keep digging. You know? Hey, it wasn't my, I could, on the That's record, fine. it was not my choice. Okay. <laughs> I know. I had Things happen for a reason. You were in my bucket. Yes. Um. So yeah, I, I think when we met, I was still working for the CPA firm in my business. Uh, I think so. I think you had left, you had left economic development or chamber world and, and had went to work um in that role and you weren't there very long i think yeah only a year mm -hmm. there's there's those jobs and i i ta i've talked about this in previous podcasts and you know i think there's jobs we dream of getting and there's jobs we are vying for as we get older uh then there's jobs we actually end up in just because that's what happens and then we're like i need more and you're looking for that job that you love and i think you know, you've had some of that, but it's like, I got to find something I'm wired to do something that fits me. And I think you, you were, you were looking for that. And in a roundabout way, you found it to, to take you to where you're at now, I guess, talk through that process or that I call that the pathway to purpose, but talk through that. Yeah. You, when you, uh, so you used a couple words, I wanted something deeper. And at, at Bergen, it was that role that I was like, 
This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. I get to be the quarterback to help small business owners solve any issue that they might face. I mean, I got to represent 24 different business lines. I got to go out and meet with people and understand what's going well and what's challenging and then put a solution together. And then what happened was once I started getting into it, uh, we would, I would hand it over to the implementation team and my clients would want me to come back in and help with the human part of change, that deeper part of change. And that is what I really desired to help with. So we tried to set that up inside the organization. It just wasn't the right. Did you, did you see that about you, that that's something that, that you were wanting to do, that it was finding the solutions, helping it find their pathways and, and that's where you're going. And then you didn't, it sounds to me, you didn't actually get to do that work. It's like you found it, put it together, but somebody else did it. And I'm going to guess that that did not help you. No, I I thought I was going to get um, the satisfaction from being able to put the solution together, but then not being able to watch it successfully all the way through implementation was the part that really tugged on me. I mean, I had a million dollar sales quota, so I had to. Right, you know? right. Um, and so that was kind of the impetus for challenging me to explore what else I might feel called to do. And then it just got deeper. It was, um, I, I mean, it was a divine call. Like you're not on the right path and you can help people in a more meaningful way. And that's when this idea, this word restoration kept coming up for me in the, in the way of helping individuals and organizations explore identity and intentions at a deeper level. So even as an organization, we have, um, who we are and who we want to be and how we carry that out. But we don't, we're not good at doing that, like executing on that day to day. And then as leaders and individuals, a lot of us are just letting life happen to us. And we're not exploring identity and intentions and being more um, purposeful about how we live, lead and work. And so that's how our coaching and consulting business was born. So even, I guess I'm, I'm rewind before we can get to where, where your work is today, but you know, you started kind of blogging and doing some videos and getting some content out that to me, it was kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word fishing around a little bit. I think you were fishing out to try and figure out what was traction, what was going things, but the grit, gratitude and grace uh, that you got into and, and started almost probably in tandem with your work uh, at Bergen. And even before that, um, what was the light bulb moment? that you saw, okay, was it during that blog time? Was it, you know, you probably deep down knew it uh, going through, uh, I guess the, the work with, with businesses and your million dollar or your, your million dollar quota or whatever you said it was um, that opened your mind and almost your uh, intestinal fortitude uh, to, to take the chance and move forward because this isn't easy work, right? You know, <laughs> that that you don't have uh, the the vast budgets or the time or the personnel to do the work that that you do and, and, and similar to the work that I do. I guess uh, talk about that journey that people think I'm going to start a business. It's a piece of cake. Oh, my. No, no. <laughs> it yeah. was, so it's a deeply the light bulb moment was deeply personal. It was me recognizing on my own personal healing journey, how much of my life 
and decisions had been born out of what other people wanted me to do or out of fear and out of um, difficult experiences that I had had through childhood and my life. So I was, you know, one of my foundational beliefs is I'm not safe. So I made a lot of decisions out of that limiting belief that. That was the belief you had had growing up and, and through your young adult years. Yes. Yes. And, and then that just back to choosing for salary and title, like then I was in scarcity mindset about money and money became my sense of security. And so I kept chasing these jobs with higher and higher salaries in reality, in the inside, like everything looked like good on the outside, but on the inside, I was just wrecked. And this like so far from how I really wanted to support people and serve people and the the work that I really wanted to do. I mean, in my heart at that time, I wanted to be a pastor. Like I wanted to come alongside people in their hardest, most personal moments and support them, which was so far from what I was getting to do every day. When did you, when did you, when did you, I guess, self-discover that, that that was within you? Did you, when was, when did that become conscious to you that what you were doing? It was, uh, I will never forget. It was May of 2019. My friend Reed asked me if money didn't matter, what would you do? And it, that Nate, that the word pastor just like came out of me. It was not me. <laughs> and I, I, I just stopped in my tracks and was like, what? I have literally never right. thought about that before. And that started turning things. And, and so then I, I went and took that job with Bergen and I continued down the path. And then about um, June of that year, no, no, no. That would have been 2018. Anyway, I have the timeline mixed up, sure. but I, I worked that job for a full year and I left in August. And that June, I knew that I was so unsettled and felt so called to do something else that there was no other option for me. So it was scary as heck. And it was so hard. And to your point, I had no idea what I was doing. When I put my shingle out there, I didn't know if it was going to be coaching individuals or coaching leaders or working with organizations. I was just putting things out there that I was passionate about and wanted to help people with. And then the pandemic hit and then all these relationships I'd formed, um, all these CEOs started calling and saying, Hey, we're and we need support. And I don't know what you do, but I'm interested if you can help. Well, it's funny how that happens. Same thing happened to me is all of a sudden, I think people had time and they were online or as long as you're putting content out, they're familiar with what you're doing, start asking questions. But, you know, when you talk about how you were and the businesses, I guess you can probably even do some reflection on the businesses you worked with in the many roles you had, how many professionals are still fighting that demon like you were fighting that you see probably even your work today of, of trying to pull back the curtain and help them discover who they are. I mean, Nate, if I were to put it in percentages, 80% of people at 90, everyone, and this is what we do. We either um, shove it down and forget about it and just resign to a mediocre, you know, not, not fulfilling our purpose Mm -hmm. or we struggle with anxiety and depression and, substance abuse and I mean, that's the society yeah we find ways to, to to bandage that or cover it up or deny it or whatever um but i'm going to guess just like you did with that one question if money wasn't an issue what would you be doing you probably have been able to pull some of those questions out yes. to try and 
all of a sudden shine a light, yes. you know? And, and the key part of that is just because you say it out loud doesn't mean you have to do anything about it right now. That's what I tell my my clients who are very scared to open that up and explore some of those things. It's like, it's your life. I'm not going to, yeah. you say something fundamentally different than where you are or what you're doing today. I'm not going to tell you that you have to change course, but that does start to open yourself up to new possibilities and thinking in new ways. Yeah. I shared a story with you, I guess, before, there was a lot of pre-conversation we had before we, we got started recording, but you know, that I told you the story about the the young lady and the pathway to college and she wasn't gonna have to pay for it. She had to pay for it, but her parents wanted to go there. But I always bring up, it's like, well, whose life are you living? And you know, they, they all kind of sit there like our lives and it's kind of freeing, you know, that there's still, um, I don't care if you're 18 or 38, there's still some things you got to figure out. And, and how do you, how do you find those people, whether it's, it's a coach or it's a friend or a colleague or a mentor or a relative or whatever that can be at your side to help navigate. Right. Yes. And that's a good, it is so courageous for people to take responsibility for that. Right. Because I know for me in my own life, it's a lot easier to blame other people or um, make excuses and not fully step into your potential and the responsibility you have over your own life, because then you don't have to take responsibility for anything that goes wrong. Right. Right. Um, right. But there, like you said, there's a lot of freedom in that too. If you're willing to take on that responsibility, then the sky's the limit. So if you think back to those people you hung out with the bars in Lincoln <laughs> and they're like, Lindsay's doing what now? What do they say to that? Uh, oh my gosh. I don't know. That would be wild to even find out. I can't even, it's funny, Nate. I can't even get our clients to articulate for me what it exactly is that we help them do. Like one right. of my clients refers to me as his virtual whiteboard. I just give him safe space to think about all the crazy things and then speak back to him, his own genius. And that's all I do for him, you know? And there's other people where it's deeply healing or, you know, I, I don't know, but it, at, but at, you do have, you do have, you have, you have people in your world that if they said this to people that work for them and their company, yeah. it would change their perspective. Or even if stuff they probably even would say to their spouse or other people, but you know, it takes people. Um, I guess I can, I, I fall in that a little bit sometimes too, because mm -hmm. I get kids to say stuff to me. I know they'd never say to a teacher or a parent you know, when they're trying to find their pathways. I, I, I suppose that happens for you. It does a lot. And I think in 22, we tried a lot of things and we worked with a lot of different people. And one of the key things that we learned was it's okay not to be able to explain. And it's okay if our offerings and our business model evolves and we're, we're not going to be for all people, the percentage of people willing to do the work, um, whether it's organizational team or at an individual level, the level of depth at which we ask people to explore is maybe for 10 or 20% of the population. And that's okay. Well, it's been great to talk to you, Lindsay. And, and uh, I forget how much we uh, have in common and we just had crossed paths randomly when I thought I wanted to go down a pathway and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't either because you're changing lives in way more profound <laughs> ways than you could have in that role. 
Well, one last question I got to get to that I've, I've kind of evolved this. And I used to ask the question, you know, what's your dream job? But I, I found all the people I, a lot of people was, well, I've got it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you're on that pathway too. But, you know, if you look at yourself at that 18 year old self, um, you know, what would you say to her today? If you could, and would, and would she listen to you? Yeah, I, you know, I, I actually, because we get the blessing of hosting a women's retreat where we go back and talk to our younger selves. Um, I, I think I would tell her to ease up and have a little bit more fun and have faith that it's going to work out. Lindsay, always good to catch up. Uh, follow you on LinkedIn. You're, you're good on there. All the stuff that you share on videos and and uh, all the stuff you're up to, it's just amazing. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we cross paths. Me too. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Thank you all for listening and being on this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.